Good morning. Let's open in prayer. Pray with me as we get started on the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord God. The entrance of your word brings light and understanding. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord God. Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes and quicken us, Lord God, to what you have to say this morning to us, Lord, individually and collectively, Lord God, and that we would have good hearts, Lord, and and good soil ready to receive your word and that it would produce a crop and produce fruit in our lives, Lord God. So, Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here in our midst. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you for the encouragement of being together with like-minded people with the body of Christ this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 35. Mark four thirty-five, And we'll read through to verse 41. It's the account of the wind and the waves obey Jesus. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But as he was in the stern, sorry, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? So this is the well-known story of Jesus calming the storm. And we can read this story and rightly we can focus on the power of Christ, that even the wind and the waves obeyed Jesus, that he had worked yet another miracle in the sight of his followers. But have you ever read this story and wondered why Jesus rebuked the disciples? I know I have. I've, I've read it and thought, why did Jesus rebuke those who, who woke him in their moment of panic? One could read this and think it a normal thing that in a great windstorm, where a man is asleep while their boat is filling with water, that those around would wake him in a moment of panic and fear and then state in bewilderment or shock at the fact that he's sleeping, Master, teacher, how can you sleep at a time like this? Do you care that we could perish at any moment? But if we read it through this lens, then we are reading it through the lens of human understanding or from the perspective of the disciples. And maybe we need to look at it through a different perspective. You see, maybe the disciples needed a right perspective of who they were with and his mission and his purpose. If they truly understood who was with them in the boat and in the storm, perhaps they would have seen their plight much differently than they did. Jesus had said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Jesus had given them direction, and he told them of their destination. And then we get this picture, this lovely picture of how in the midst of a storm, on the water, 
where fear and panic should be considered a normal thing, that Jesus is found asleep on a pillow. The storm didn't wake him. The disciples needed to wake him. And Jesus cries out, peace, be still. And as the Bible says, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he says to them, Jesus focuses then on the disciples. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Perhaps Jesus said this because if they had a realization of who they were traveling with, of who was in the boat with them, then they would have no reason to fear. What Jesus challenges in the disciples is their fear. He's concerned with their fear and their lack of faith. In other words, he's saying to them, fear not, have faith. Perhaps if the disciples knew who they traveled with, that they were in the presence of the living word. They were in the presence of the light of the world, the alpha and the omega, the way, the truth and the life. Perhaps then they would have had a different perspective of their situation. But you know, one reason why this account is written in the Gospels is for us to learn from it. It's for us to apply the lessons learned to our own lives. And you know the metaphor that we can apply, that it's the same for us today, that we face different seasons or we face the storms of life. And in those storms, we have a decision of how we are going to react. What are we going to do? Are we going to allow fear, doubt, and unbelief or anxiety, etc.? Are we going to allow those things to rule our heart and our mind? Or will we look to Jesus? Will we rest in the promises of God's word? Will we cast all our cares upon him? Will we say to ourselves and listen to the cry of Christ in this story, saying, peace, be still? There's another well-known account where we read again of the disciples on the water. In Matthew chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. This time the disciples are not with Jesus at the start of their journey. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Jesus tells his disciples to not be afraid and to not fear. Everything about the life and ministry of Jesus was freedom and peace and a release. It was healing. 
It was blessings. It was abundance. It was life. There was to be no fear. There was to be no doubt, no unbelief, no lack, no suffering, no unsettledness. You see, in this account, Peter has taken his eyes off of Jesus and he's looked to the situation around him. He looked at his problems or the challenges surrounding him. And in doing so, he becomes afraid. We know Jesus' challenge to Peter is, why did you doubt? So when he took his eyes off Christ, he doubted who Christ was. He doubted his power. He doubted his ability to sustain and keep Peter. And he allowed fear in. So I ask you this morning, what is the fear that you've allowed into your heart or your mind? What's the doubt or the unbelief that you've allowed in? I think there are a few reasons why someone may experience an absence of peace in their life. But one key reason is that they've turned their eyes off of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. How quickly do our eyes, our attention, our focus go to the problems around us, just like Peter, or the storm that we're in, or the situations that we're facing? And of course, we do face challenges and problems. The, the Bible declares that they will happen for the believer. And I don't want to minimize these things that we go through because they can be significant. It could be loss of income. It could be challenges at your workplace. It could be serious financial hardship. It could be persecution. It could be sickness. And the list goes on. But there are numerous and countless promises in God's Word for whatever situation you're facing. There's not one situation that we're going to go through where there's not a promise in the Word of God attached to that, that problem or that situation. There is a scripture for every challenge that you will face and that you have faced. But the question remains, do you know what the promise is and do you apply it? Because that's the key, isn't it? Do we know what the Word of God says? But it's not just knowing it, it's do we apply it to our situation of what we're going through? We can stay so fixated on what we're facing, but when we open the Word of God, or when the Holy Spirit quickens Scripture to us, because we've read it in the past, the Holy, Script, the Holy Spirit quickens Scripture to us, that's when we can get a breakthrough in what we're facing. God's Word says that the entrance of His Word brings light and understanding. The Word of God should be a great treasure to us. It should be as gold to us. It should be as something that is our greatest joy and our chief focus. Just as Peter turned his eyes off Jesus in the midst of the waves and the wind, we too take our eyes off Jesus. We take our eyes off, for example, through we, we don't have a time of reading God's Word and of prayer. We can become consumed with the problems, the challenges of life. And we've heard from Pastor Paul in recent messages, even Pastor Shadi last week, that if you're not living in victory, or we could put it this way, if you're living in defeat, if you're allowing fear, doubt, or unbelief in to take over, then there's an absence of reading the God's Word, of reading God's Word and of prayer. If you are in God's Word daily, and if you're praying daily, 
it is impossible to stay in a place of defeat because there is such power in God's word working in your life. If you're facing a situation where you are living in fear, doubt, or unbelief, or where anxious feelings and thoughts are taking over, then I'd encourage you to insert a daily habit of reading God's word, declaring it out, being in prayer, and see your mind, mindset and your feelings begin to change as they align with what God's word says. I just want to speak a little bit this morning about uh, anxiety. Beyond Blue uh, is an organization focused on helping people with anxiety or depression. And Beyond Blue defines anxiety as follows. Anxiety is more than just feeling stressed or worried. Stress or anxious feelings are a common response when we feel under pressure. These feelings usually pass once the stressful situation has passed. Anxiety is when anxious feelings don't go away and may not have a clear cause. If you're living with anxiety, the anxious feelings may not be easily managed. Anxiety is a serious condition that makes it hard for people to cope with daily life. It says on this website that 3 million Australians are living with anxiety. Did you know that anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia? One in four people will experience anxiety at some stage in their life. We know that in the Western world, our mental health is on a decline. In Australia, this is again from the Beyond Blue website, around one in two people, 50% of people will struggle with their mental health during their lifetime. And there are many reasons and, reasons and causes for this which we could go into, but What we know is that anxiety and depression and poor mental health are increasing in our society. So then this raises the question for the church. Should there be an increase of anxiety in the church? I'm talking about in the people of of God. Should there be an increase, if there's an increase in the world, should there be an increase of anxiety or depression in the church? Should we be suffering from a poor mental health? This year, particularly early on this year, I face more anxiety than I have ever faced in my life. I'm not normally one to get worried to the point of it consuming my thoughts or affecting how I treat people or affecting my sleep. But that is what I faced uh, early on this year. I was like Peter and I was like the disciples in the boat. Instead of exercising my faith, I allowed fear, doubt, and unbelief in. And I looked to the problems and challenges, the temporal things and the things of this world that are passing. So we can read these accounts and we can just think, you know, that if only the disciples knew who was in the boat with them. Like, look, Jesus is there constantly saying, do not fear, you have such little faith. And yet we can be in those storms and we can do the same thing. And we need to arrest ourselves in those times. We need to grab a hold of ourselves and go, this is not the way a child of God is called to live. This is not right. This is not what God's purpose and intention for my life is. So looking back on this time, there are a few things that broke this anxiety and this cycle that I found myself in. I got a breakthrough by firstly speaking to someone about it. 
It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But secondly, it was praying to God about it with Scripture. And I would say things along the lines of, God, I am going to cast my cares upon you, for you care for me. God, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, help me to trust in you and to not worry and to not fear. You know, I would meditate on God's word. And I share this so that if anyone's going through anxiety, if anyone's going through those tough times of depression, whatever it is in your life, that let there be a breakthrough that comes this day. Let it not pass beyond this day where you keep carrying anxiety and depression, which is not God's intention for you. I would meditate on God's word and verses such as Isaiah 26.3, I would just whisper to myself or mutter to myself. Isaiah 26.3 says, you, keep, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And you know, it was a battle. It wasn't just follow this formula and then bang, that's it and, and you can move on. I had to keep going back to God's word. I had to keep going back to the promises. I had to keep trusting. I had to keep exercising my faith. Even when my, my feelings said this thing, I said, no, but this is what God's word says. And I had to keep doing it until I got a victory in that area. And this year I faced, even, even after receiving the breakthrough, I faced countless challenges that would try to unsettle me or rock my peace. And I've had to keep coming back to that place of, but this is what God's word says. And that does settle it. And I'm going to cling on to your living word, O oh God. And I take it for me and for my family. And God is so faithful. He does answer prayers and he does bring that breakthrough. The Bible, <clears throat> the Bible gives us more ways to combat anxiety and worry in our lives so that we can experience the peace of God. And I love how the Bible is very clear. It says if you do this, then this will be the outcome. If you don't do this, well, then this will be the outcome. The Bible is very clear and transparent. If we can use the, fr the phrase, it's very black and white. It's very evident what will take place. And like anything, we need to look at what the Bible says. And I pray this message is, doesn't bring condemnation because that's not the purpose of the message. Not along the lines of just stop being anxious and, and just do this and this will be the outcome. No, the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible teaches. The Bible rebukes. It corrects. It trains in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hopefully this message causes us to run to God, to say, sorry, Lord, for the times I've not trusted in you. And I've been like Peter or those disciples, and I've looked to the problems around me where my peace has been removed or I've been unsettled or shaken throughout the year. Help me just to trust in you that whatever 2024 holds, you are my God and I am, I am your child and you are with me. So what does the Bible tell us? Psalm 37, 8 says, do not fret. It only causes harm. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. 
So this information is probably not new for most of us. But how do we combat such feelings? Well, it says in Proverbs 20, uh, sorry, Proverbs 12:25, after anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, it says, "But a good word makes it glad." And I know of a good word. Yes, when my brother and my sister encourage me, but even more so when I hear and apply the word of God. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. So this is what we should do instead. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So you see, there's people, there's Christians who face anxiety and they stay in that place for too long. The Word of God says, well, this is how to combat it. But so often we're, we're fooled and tricked by the enemy. We're, we're consumed with the things of this world. We turn on the TV. We go to entertainment. We go to social media. We go to all these other things. And then in the middle of the night, bang, that anxiety hits again. Or the next day at work, anxiety hits again. Those thoughts come back. And we go through that same cycle. But how often do we go, no, I'm going to arrest myself. And this night, I'm going to get on my knees and pray to God. And the next night and the next night. And when I'm in the middle of the night with those thoughts, or I'm at work with those thoughts, I'm going to say that scripture. I'm going to speak that scripture out loud until I see a breakthrough. Because this is not what God has for my life. This is not what God has for you, child of God. You've got to get to that point where you say, I'm going to apply what God's Word says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the promise, and the peace of God. Everyone say, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I know that as I started to put that into practice and pray, it's amazing how you can look back and see the, the times where God, you can almost feel and sense and know that guarding presence of God on your mind and on your heart. So we need to be people who understand this and apply it. We need to hear the word of God and do it. If we are hearers only and not doers, then we deceive ourselves. We rob ourselves of God's best for our lives. That part of Scripture doesn't stop there. It actually tells us what to meditate on. So it's not just pray, pray and see the breakthrough. It's like, no, you've actually got to also change your thinking. You keep focusing on the storm and the problem. You keep focusing on the wind and the waves, but you're not focused on the right thing. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, I know something that's true, God's Word. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, we need purity, don't we? Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So as we read in this scripture, peace is the opposite of being anxious. As Philippians 4 unpacked for us. When we think of the word peace beautifully displayed behind me. We can think of this as an absence of war and of fighting, but it's actually much more than that. 
Because the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, can be defined as follows. The ancient Hebrew concept of peace rooted in the word shalom meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, and prosperity, carrying, carrying with it the implication of permanence. I love that permanence of wholeness and completeness and soundness. It means to make something whole. An overall sense of fullness and completeness in mind, body, and estate. You see, it's in Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that we find a state of completeness or wholeness. God wants us to live in this state of wholeness or completeness. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. You see, we were at war with God. We were at enmity with God. But Jesus removed that through his life, death and resurrection. Through faith in Jesus, we are justified and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know this scripture, Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus faced wrath that we might have peace, that wholeness and that completeness in God the Father. And now we are seated with him. We are joint heirs with Christ. So we need to be people who turn our eyes off the storms around us and the problems that we face and look unto Jesus. We need to look to the promises of God's word and look to the Prince of Peace. We need to set our minds on things above. Colossians 3 says, If then you are raised with Christ. Who's been raised with Christ? If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now everything in the world just tells us to seek the things of this earth. To seek wealth and prosperity and security here on earth? Have you got insurance for your pet and your car and your house and probably have insurance for insurance these days? But the word of God says to seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How often do we set our mind on things of this earth, whether it be problems at work, our finances, our health, our house, etc., when God is saying to us, I will take care of those things. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Don't you know that if I clothe the lily of the field and if I feed the birds of the air, how much more will I take care of you? O oh, you of little faith. Child, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with the bread of life, the true vine, the light of the world. Your life is hidden with my son. So look to him. It's like that beautiful old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior a life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The worship team could come forward. They don't have to sing this song, but let me read that out again in case you missed it. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, a life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let's stand, church. Let's refocus whether you need to close your eyes, whether you want to come up and kneel at God's feet, come to the altar this morning. What the Word of God says that in Jesus we live and we move and we have our being. So of course we have to fix our eyes on Him. Of course He has to be our chief focus because in Him we live and we move and we have our being. It makes sense that we need to look to Him to behold Him, if everything is found in Christ Jesus. We are to abide in Him. If we don't abide in Him, we can do nothing. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The only way we have peace with God And the only way we live in a state of peacefulness in our lives is through fixing our eyes onto Jesus and his finished work at the cross of Calvary. We fix our eyes this morning on the one who is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I'm sure there's many people here who, whether it's previously, whether it's now, you've been going through those storms and those challenges and you've looked to the storms and challenges and allowed it to consume you. What fears have you allowed to enter in? Let's deal with it this morning. Where have you turned your eyes off Christ and looked to the things of this world? I encourage you to deal with it this morning, to get out of your seats, to come and kneel, Come and give it all to Jesus. Come and lay it at his feet. Come and cast your cares upon him.